All right, now, 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 got, uh, now let's go. Uh, Peter Mihalos. He's going to tell us why we're all sick. He's going to tell us why we're all coughing. He's going to tell us why uh, some people are getting COVID, some people are getting flu, some people are getting pneumonia. Well, and then I didn't say ammonia. Ammonia is in aisle 23. Uh, How are you today? I'm doing great. Merry Christmas, and may we all have health and the time to enjoy it. Just to follow up what you were talking about with these solar flares and the Monster X flares, one of the problems is they did historical studies and they looked at charts in Norway for 200 years, and people born during periods of these peak solar activity flares lived 5.1 years less. So that's one of the problems, that there is a health issue. That being bombarded with all this electromagnetic radiation is not a good thing because it does affect lifespan. Because when you get hit with all this radiation, it increases uh, the uh, genetic damage and may increase cancer. So there's actually a website called spaceweather.com, and they give you text alerts, and they actually tell you when it's not a good time to go outside. And this is probably a good thing for women who are pregnant or with small children that are more susceptible to radiation damage. So that's just a follow-up because we're seeing these monster X flares. The last one we uh, just saw the uh, the other night uh, hit us again. And as we move into April, we're actually moving into what's called peak solar activity. And it happens around every 11 years. And now we're in the 11th year of this peak activity. But here back on Earth, yes, as we talked about on WABC, what happens historically with pandemics, same thing happened in 1918, is that these viruses initially kill a lot of people. And what happens is they eventually learn that they have to coexist with us, so they become more contagious because they need a place to live, but they become less lethal, and that's what we're seeing now. The good news is that we have all kinds of antivirals now, and there's a new one out of Japan that knocks out every variant, whereas vaccines are usually made for a specific variant. That's the reason why sometimes you get these new variants. Someone had a COVID booster, but that was prepared for an older variant, so that's why I think, in the end, the best thing is going to be early testing, early treatment, and getting pills, antivirals, just like when you get the flu, you take Tamiflu, catching it early within the first 72 hours. And I know many people just in the last two, three weeks, the ones who got the antivirals really early did very well. And yes, the other problem is when you have lockdowns and everyone's locked up, and this happened in China too, these viruses are all like locked in a container ready to explode and then suddenly you let people out again you remove the lockdowns and all these viruses want to live and how do they live they need to find a hotel and that's the human host and that's why you see this explosion of all these different diseases and yes of course the border has something to do with it because of course if you don't have an ellis island type screening program just like i talked about when i worked in rikers during the crack epidemic uh, before this bail reform which is not compassionate because in the old days, we used to get people arrested. We tested them for TB. We found their syphilis, their gonorrhea. We treated their TB. We treated their HIV. But now everyone's being released out without any type of uh, uh, screening and uh, follow-up psychiatric appointments. So that's why we're seeing an explosion of mental illness, an explosion of sexually transmitted diseases. Syphilis is on a big spike throughout the whole country. So we need to have better uh, health screening systems. And I wish our politicians would talk about, yes, be compassionate. Yes, all these people are coming in. But let's hear about what the results are of the screening programs, what we're doing. Are we quarantining appropriately when people have certain diseases like resistant TB? Somebody with resistant TB goes on a subway car and starts coughing. Guess what? 
it's going to, you know, it causes a health crisis for all of it. And I'm mentioning this because, you know, uh, there are people who have reported back to me in places like some of the city hospitals right here in New York, and they've got a lot of these cases, and then they, they're telling these people, they're talking about the story, yeah, you should make it up to New York because that's where they can help treat you for these problems. So we do have a problem. Healthcare is national security as we're learning, and we need to be more prepared as we move into the winter because what we talked about as we move indoors in dry air, viruses travel much better in dry climates. That's why we get sick on airplanes because in dry desiccated air, your mucous membranes and sinuses get dry, viruses and bacteria enter. One of the things you can do is run a humidifier in your bedroom in the winter, keep a hygrometer which tells you percent humidity, keep your humidity at least 40%, and you will get sick less, and that helps. Now, everybody, uh, doctor, everybody I know, except Curtis, is coughing. Yeah, because uh, all these different bacteria and viruses, they get into the lung. What does the lung want to do? The body wants to expel it. And a lot of times the mucus and phlegm contains these bacterial particles and the body wants to bring it up. And we bring it up in phlegm and we spit it out. But when you do see green or yellow, that's usually a sign of bacterial. So at a culture, see a doctor, you made in antibiotics. The dry ones tend to be associated with viruses, the dry coughs. That's more associated with RSV and COVID. So when you get sick now, you know, now with these rapid tests, you can go into any urgent care center and you can be tested quickly for strep, flu, and COVID. If you're positive, get appropriate treatment because when you catch it early and you don't let it get worse and you don't let it grow, like pneumonia, if you catch it early, it's not so bad. But if you have a delayed diagnosis, it's harder to treat. So early treatment, early testing, and uh Hopefully, we'll be making more of our tests and medical supplies and uh, antibiotics. Last and question. In the United States. I had a, I had, I had a uh, pneumonia injection, a flu a vaccine. How come I got pneumonia? Because, like we said, it's for what strain. You had a pneumonia maybe for a certain strain of pneumonia. The problem is, let's say your pneumonia is mycoplasma pneumonia, which is a different bacteria, you're not protected from that. Just like someone may have had a COVID vaccine for B26, but now 30% of the cases are the JN1. So the problem is vaccines only really help for the variant or the disease specifically. There's about 100 types of pneumonia, but not just one. That pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine is only for one specific type that tends to hit older adults. But the pneumonias that we're seeing now and going around, all these bacterial pneumonias, are not, you don't get protection from a vaccine. So if somebody's coughing, coughing, and coughing, what should that person do not to get pneumonia? Well, what you have to do is you've got to follow your fevers. If you're having more, more than three days of fever and you have a oxymeter and you see your oxygen is dropping, you need to go get a chest X-ray, and the chest X-ray usually will show what's called an infiltrate or sometimes fluid at the base of the lungs, and that's a sign of pneumonia. Then you get put on a strong antibiotic. One of the common ones is called amoxicillin, and you end up having to take it for 10 days to two weeks to try to knock out the bacteria, and it takes a while. And some people, if they're taking certain medicines or certain immune suppression drugs, Sometimes it'll take longer because their immune system can't fight it off as well. But the trick is early, early testing, early treatment, and most people uh, will will get through it. Well, do appreciate well, that. 
Uh, Dr. Mikolos, uh, happy holidays to you. And I, I guess uh, you, Dr. Mikolos, and John Katsimatidis, you end up having two Christmases because yours from the Eastern uh, Orthodox faith doesn't come up until what, January 6th, 7th? No, we have at the same time the Greek Orthodox Christians. You're thinking of in, uh, in Russia, Romania, Serbia, they celebrated on January 6th. But the uh, Greek Orthodox, it's the same on December twenty-fifth. Uh, well, thanks for straightening me. Thanks for straightening me out on that. And Easter is one week later because we follow the Jewish calendar because Passover happened one one one, one week later. Easter happened one week later after Passover. So that's how I always ask my Jewish friends, "When is Passover?" Then I know that the Orthodox Christian Easter will be a week later. <laughs> 